Good morning. Are you guys awake? <laughs> well, as you saw earlier, we uh, lit the Advent candles. Each of them represents a specific thing. We talked about hope the first week of Advent. Um, one of the candles represents peace. We talked about that. Last week, we talked about joy. The third candle is love that we just lit today. Uh, and then the center candle is the Christ candle. That's the one we want to kind of center on this morning. Um, in the center, you see, is the specific place for the Christ candle because through Christ is the only way that you can get hope and peace and joy and love that's why the Christ candle's in the center. And then later on, when we do the candle lighting, because Jesus is the light of the world, that's what our subject is this morning. Um, it's from his light, by the way, that it's not lit, but still, Jesus is still shining even though the candle went out. Um, it's from him the light of the world, that we all receive that light. It's interesting that um, either you would have to come up and take your candle and receive that light, get that light from the Christ candle, or someone else is going to light that. That's what we're going to be doing today. And then um, from the Christ candle, then we'll pass around that light. The only way you can receive the light is through Christ. And so that's what we're going to be talking about Today, So I appreciate the songs that were picked. Um, I love songs that tell good theology, that tell us the truths that the Bible tell us about who Jesus is, why he was born, all those kinds of things. So Jesus, the light of the world. In your bulletin, there's some notes. I like to have notes that you can see because the way we learn is not just by hearing, but it's by seeing. And the more things that we get involved um, when we're listening to a sermon, you might jot down some notes. There's going to be probably some things I'll say that are not on your notes. But the more involved you are in, in the learning process, the more likely is that you're going to actually learn and remember. And then the other reason is, so you can take them home and read over them again. Look up the verses. I'll be mentioning verses, but we won't go to every verse. And so um, it's good for us to um, look at God's word for ourselves and um, and read those verses for ourselves to see what they say. Um, when I was about six years old, my family and I went to Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but um, since then I've, I've discovered that they're 750 feet deep. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there before uh, in New Mexico. Uh, but one thing I discovered is how dark darkness can be. Uh, I remember um, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face as a little six-year-old. I wanted to see, could I see anything? And it, it was just nothing. I know you've probably been in caverns or in a place where they turned all the lights out and you couldn't see. Um, here, um, I couldn't see anything. So uh, right away, um, when I knew they were going to turn out the lights, I grabbed my dad's hand and I grabbed a hold of the rail because it's just there's something about darkness that feels pervasive. You can feel evil. It feels like it's kind of closing in on you. Um, and your eyes don't even adjust to the shadows. You can't see anything. 
That's what it felt like, and you've probably experienced that same thing if you've been in um, a dark place like that. Darkness can feel overwhelming. It feels evil. It feels pervasive. Nothing, nothing can penetrate that darkness, it feels like, until they turn the lights back on. The darkness could not overwhelm the light. The lights came on in the cavern one section at a time, and as those lights came on, the darkness was forced back, as it were. It fled until it was all gone. Um, and then, when all the lights were on, you could see the beauty of the caverns, the amazing colors of the limestone formations, um, and I let go of the rail. But I didn't let go of my dad's hand. Just in case they decided to turn the lights off again, I thought that'd be good to hold on to something. Um, spiritual darkness invaded God's creation. First, when the angel Lucifer, who's now that we know better as Satan, he was called Lucifer, dawn or son of the morning, in um, Ezekiel or Isaiah rather, um, when he sinned, that was the first sin that was committed in God's creation. He was actually in heaven when he committed that sin, and you can read those two passages and see. And then Satan, as we know in Genesis chapter three, got Adam to sin by tempting Eve. She ate, and then Adam ate. It's interesting that the Bible says that Adam sinned and Eve was deceived. Satan helped plunge mankind into spiritual darkness, and people became part of his kingdom. So everyone who's ever born is separated from God, and they're part of Satan's kingdom. That's what Colossians 1.13 says. And one of the things that Jesus does when we see him as, as our Savior, he takes us out of that kingdom and we're placed into the kingdom of the dear Son, into Christ's kingdom. 1 John 5.19 gives us an indication of what the Bible says about us being in that kingdom, every person in that kingdom. 1 John 5.19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Satan is the evil one. And the rest of the scriptures, the description of mankind's spiritual state from birth is vivid throughout all the scriptures. Proverbs, and I just mentioned a few. Proverbs 2 says that we walked in the ways of darkness. Proverbs 4 says that the way of the wicked is like darkness. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 says that the unsaved, those who do not know Christ, walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. And then Paul added also in Ephesians chapter 5, that we were all once darkness, and we did the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And then the sad part is the culmination of a life that continues in darkness and does not receive the light of Christ will be eternally punished, that both Peter and Jude describe as the blackness of darkness. And you can look at those verses later. But God had made a promise. The good news doesn't seem very good until you know what the bad news is. The bad news is we were all separated from God. The bad news is we were in Satan's kingdom. 
The bad news is we couldn't find our way to God. No one chooses God. That's what Romans 3 says. But the good news is that God made a promise. He did that right after the fall, Genesis 3.15, and you can read that. Even after man had sinned and had broken his relationship with God, that he would one day send a deliverer to offer salvation to his people Israel and even offer this deliverance to Gentiles, rescuing them from this darkness and separation from God. God said through Isaiah, I will make you, speaking of the Messiah, which is Jesus, as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Matthew quoted Isaiah 42 in his gospel about Jesus at his beginning of his ministry. He said this, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, Jesus, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. So we see not only that there was darkness, but then light came into the world through the Lord Jesus Christ. John also spoke of Jesus as the light. At the beginning of his gospel account, he wrote, in him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Christmas is really a celebration that Jesus is the light of the world. In John's gospel, he writes not of the events surrounding Jesus' birth, of the other gospel writers write about the angels and the shepherds, and we read all those, but the gospel of John, in John's writing in, in um, John chapter 1, um, he writes about the character of the one born. Light in scripture, when attached to Christ, speaks of his holiness, his righteousness, his goodness, his moral goodness, and his absolute truth. It's interesting that Malachi, the last uh, writer in the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, when he was writing about and thinking about this promised one that was coming, he called him the son, the S-U-N, the son of righteousness. And that S-U-N was to let us know that he is someone who's going to bring light, like the sun brings light to the earth. Jesus was going to bring light to the earth. And then Zacharias, John the Baptist's dad, later on, he called Jesus the sunrise from on high. So again, telling us that this one who's going to bring light to the world, to the world of darkness and sin, Jesus was going to bring the light of salvation, the light of God. John simply calls Jesus the light. John wrote, the light shines. It's interesting, in the Greek language, that's a present tense, and that means it shines and it keeps on shining. It doesn't stop. It didn't just shine when he was there on earth. It just didn't shine when he was born and grew up and ministered and then died on the cross and was buried and rose again the third day. His light continues to shine first through God's word and then through God's people his light continues to shine the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it or overpower it and the light of Jesus keeps on shining it cannot be quenched it cannot be extinguished 
it cannot be overwhelmed. Jesus is the light that brings life. Jesus is the light of the world. Later on in the Gospel of John, he writes that. In fact, Jesus says that at the temple. He cries out, he said, I am the light of the world. Science defines light as visually perceived luminous energy or radiant energy. And light moves, we all know, if you remember your science when you went to school, at 186,282 miles per second. When light hits the retina of the eye, it makes things visible. It illuminates them, we're able to see. All colors depend on light. Where there is light, we see. Darkness is the absence of light. As you need light in the physical realm to see, you also need light in the spiritual realm to see. Jesus is the light for the spiritual realm. Sometimes we forget that we have two sides of our life. We have a physical realm that we live in every day, but sometimes we forget about that spiritual realm. Jesus is the light for the spiritual realm. When the light of Christ hits the soul of a person, like with physical light, that soul sees and is illuminated to spiritual truth. So this is the passage that we want to look at. It's just four verses. I don't know if you noticed, but the longer I'm here, the longer number of verses. The first time, the first time I preached um, on Christmas or for Christmas season, I did a half a verse. So now I'm up to four verses. So next week, watch out. You never know what it'll be. Could be the whole book of Revelation. You never know. We could do that. Um, so here's the verses. There was the true light, Jesus, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the word, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's a lot in those verses, but we're just going to kind of hit some high points. So just for you to be thinking through this, I always like to have an outline because it helps us to think through the passage. Here's what this, the, um, the writer, in this case John, wanted us to understand. So three things I want us to just look at briefly today. Jesus is the real light or the true light. Jesus is the rejected light, and Jesus is the received light. So let's look first at verse 9, where Jesus is called the true light, or the real light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Jesus is the true light. The word true there in the Greek means accurate, or genuine, or authentic, light-giving perfect clarity about God and about his purposes. Remember, they said to Jesus, the disciples, we want to see the Father. And Jesus said to them, what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus represents the Father. Because what, how Jesus acted, how he behaved, how he taught, what he did, what he showed forth, is the same character 
that God the Father has. Jesus is the true light. Through him, we find perfect clarity about God and his purposes. This reminds us also, though, that there are false lights out there. There's false teaching. Um, Paul, when he wrote Timothy, said there were doctrines of demons. There's things that come ultimately from Satan, his teaching, just like he tried to fool and, tr and gave false teaching to Eve. He said, if you eat of the fruit, you won't surely die. That's false teaching. That's doctrine of demons. And so we need to be aware that Jesus is the true light. That tells us that there's also false lights out there that try to deceive people. Now, the Apostle Paul said this, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Isn't that interesting? That Satan tries to fool people. Satan's not against religion. He just wants Jesus out of the religion. He doesn't want you to believe who Jesus really is. He disguises himself as an angel of light. You can read that in 2 uh, uh, Corinthians eleven fourteen, And he, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light. Isn't that interesting? Might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Satan doesn't want you to always do evil. He doesn't care if you're a good person. He promotes people to pay their taxes. Sometimes we get confused and think that Satan only promotes evil. He doesn't. He promotes good apart from God. He wants you to feel like you're good enough. That God is so wonderful that he would accept you just like, he, just like you are without you doing what he's asking you to do. That is, accept Christ as your Savior. So Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And who is this Jesus? And this is a great description. Who is the image of God? Later on, we're going to look that he's the exact representation of God. That's what the writer of Hebrews said. Through the incarnation, when the way that John says it, coming into the world, that's the incarnation, Jesus coming as a baby, coming as a person, coming as a man, growing up and doing all the things that he did. Jesus reveals God because Jesus is the radiance. There's another light kind of word the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. Jesus shines light on the truth of God's word and his promises to draw out their fullness and reveals our need and God's way of salvation through faith in him, in faith, in the faith through Christ. The word enlightens here means to shed light upon, to bring light to. And the words, every man, show us that this light is for everyone to see. So obviously we now can't see Jesus except in the pages of the scriptures. We can see him in other believers' lives, hopefully. It's interesting, Paul, when he wrote to the Philippians, he said, we are luminaries. We reflect the light of Christ. Paul, in Ephesians, said we're to walk in the light. Um, John said that again, too. Walk in the light as he is in the light, 1 John. 
so we can reflect. So the way that the light gets out now is through the scriptures, through how God works, and through his people. Secondly, Jesus in this passage is the rejected light. He, Jesus, was in the world, again, showing his incarnation, and the world was made through him, showing that he is the creator. He's the one who created. He spoke things into existence. The world was made through him, and the world, the people, did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. So not only did they not know him, they did not receive him. Jesus came into the world that he created to the people he created, and they didn't know him. They didn't welcome him as the idea. They didn't recognize that he was God in human flesh, that he was the promised Messiah. They didn't see that. With all the miracles, all the healings, the casting out of demons, the calming of storms, raising people from the dead, his teaching that confounded them, his fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies, they not only didn't recognize him, they rejected him. They rejected his claims for who he was. They rejected the clear evidence of who he was. They rejected the testimony of the scriptures that confirmed who he was. Why? Why would they see all these things? Why could they, they could look up the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. See that he was born in Bethlehem. All these different things, all these prophecies that were Old Testament, they were very familiar with. Why is it that they couldn't see that? Why is it that they couldn't see that when he raises somebody from the dead? You know, what's interesting is when he raised Lazarus from the dead, just a few days later, the, 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 um, the representatives of Israel, the leaders of Israel, wanted to kill Lazarus again. Isn't that amazing? And this is why. This is the judgment. That light has come into the world... And men loved the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So that's John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. You can read those other verses if you like to see some other things about that. So Jesus was the rejected light, but he's also the received light. I love when... when um, one of the writers of scripture says, but. He says, here's the situation. Here's what just happened. But God. But God. Here's something that God does. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So in contrast, John says, but as many as receive him, even to those who believe in his name. Receiving Jesus is believing in his name, not just believing. When I was a kid, I believed Jesus was a real person. I actually believed Jesus died on the cross. That was a historical fact to me, because it was. It was history. Jesus died on the cross, but it didn't mean anything to me. You know, that doesn't mean nothing to me. I believed Abraham Lincoln was a real person, George Washington, etc. That's how I believed who Jesus was. He was a real person. He actually died on a cross. I believe that. But 
believing in his name is more than just believing that he was a real person, that he actually lived. It's believing in what he's done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what believing in Jesus' name really means. His substitutionary death, that is, he took our place. The punishment, the penalty that we deserved as sinners, he took that for us. He died in our stead, in our place. So he was the substitution and the payment for our sins. Believing is trusting that he alone can save us and putting our eternal destiny in his hands alone. Only then will we experience this spiritual birth. We've all heard the term being born again, being born spiritually. We're all born physically, right? Amen. Anybody of you who are alive still can say amen. Yeah, I was born physically because I'm here, right? But spiritual birth is different. That comes from above. It doesn't come from us. We can't cause that to happen. It's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Um, but the spiritual birth in that he gives us the right to become, to be called children of God. Before, according to Jesus in John 8, we were children of the devil. That's what he told the Pharisees. You're children of the devil. And everybody who is unsaved are children of the devil. You go, you go from one family, from one kingdom, when you get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior, and you come to another kingdom and to another family. Isn't that amazing? It's so wonderful. I love telling Christians about what their salvation means for them. What, what really happened? What are all the blessings of salvation? And that's just two of them. He gave them the right to become children of God. This spiritual life, this new birth, is not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, which emphasizes that no human can acquire salvation on their own. It's of God. Being born of God or being born again, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus, right, in John chapter 3, literally means being born from above. That's what the term born again in the Greek literally means being born from above. It's totally a work of God. He's the one who provided the Savior, Jesus, and he's the one who provides salvation. Just a couple other thoughts. This is a verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's the light of Christ that God reveals to us and we understand it and then we receive that light and we understand what he's done for us. Jesus is the real or true light. Each of us either rejects that light or receives that light. It's our choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son. He truly is the light of the world. We know this world is very dark, and it seems to be getting darker all the time. Sin runs rampant in our nation, in our world, in our neighborhoods at times. We read it in the newspaper. We see it on television. We see it on the internet. 
the sinfulness of man is becoming more prevalent and prevalent. But we thank you, Father, that you're still saving us sinners. The light of Christ is still there. It's still beaming. It comes from pulpits all over the world. Men who preach the word of God and preach Jesus as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the only Savior, that light keeps going out. And then it goes out through Christians like our congregation right here. The light of Christ shines through us. We know, Father, that it's not perfect. Sometimes the light's a little dim in some of us, and me too. But, Father, thank you that that light burns bright in us, and we want to walk in that light. You've given us your spirit to help us to do that. So, Father, thank you for sending Jesus the light of the world. Thank you that he shined his light on us and revealed to us who he really is. And so, Father, we thank you. If there happens to be someone here today, Father, that's unsure of their relationship with you, they're not really sure who Jesus is. They've never really made a commitment to him. We pray that today might be their day of salvation. They don't have to turn over a new leaf. They don't have to try to get better because they can't. But, Father, you will accept them right now as they confess their sin and realize they're a sinner that they realize that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And by receiving him, that is believing what he's done for them, they can be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. They can be transferred out of Satan's family and become part of your family. Father, thank you that you're so gracious and kind. We pray, Father, be glorified in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.